We are in the last part of the series called Power Trip, and uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. We've been going through Luke and Acts, written by the same guy, and we've been going through, through it for about five years. We're in Acts chapter 20 today, and we're going to be going over the last part of chapter 20, which is verses 25 through 38. And just as uh, Lori mentioned earlier, we are going to have a Q&R. So this is how this, that's going to work. Q&R. There we go. Q&R. This is how it's going to work. Uh, if at any point you're like, hey, I have a question, I have a thought, I want to share something, hold your thoughts until the end of the sermon, and then uh, Natalie's going to run around with a mic. And this is not just like, don't, don't, I don't want you to think, well, you know, this is my first time here. I don't know how to contribute. No, what we learned last time we did this is whatever opinion you have, whatever question you have, chances are other people have the same question. Other, you know, wants their opinion heard. And, and by you speaking up, uh, it's actually giving voice to people who have the same thought as you. And for the people who are watching at home, uh, the way you're going to do this is on the, in the chat section of this YouTube video, just type in your questions, and you don't have to wait until the end of service. You just start typing it up whenever you think of it. And then at the end, when we start taking questions, we'll read your comments uh, live. So uh, start thinking about what you want to talk about, how you want to contribute. And uh, in, for those of you who are pastors or on the worship team, it doesn't mean that you don't, ha- you don't get to ask. You get to do that too. By the way, some of my favorite conversations are what I was like, I was like fly on the wall when two really brilliant people were talking. I'm not saying pastors are brilliant. I'm nowhere near that. I don't deserve that title at all. But it's kind of fun to hear people who know what they're talking about to talk about certain things sometimes, right? So, you know, um, pastors, worship leaders, whoever, if you have questions, feel free to ask them at the end. All right. So we are in the last, like I said, we're the last part of the book of Acts, chapter 20. And the question that I feel that Luke is trying to answer in this part is this question right here. What is the core purpose of the church? And have we drifted away from it? What is the core purpose of the church? Because if you've been to more than just our church, which I think a lot of you have, you probably heard people say things like the purpose of the church is to evangelize or to convert or to make the church grow or uh, I don't know, um, fill in the blank, right? I've heard it all. <laughs> um, but the setting that we're going to be in today is that Paul has been going, has been staying in this church called Ephesus for three years and a whole riot just kind of breaks out. And because of this riot, Paul's like, I got to get out of here because on my account, everybody here is suffering. I got to get out of here. He travels north, comes back. And when he gets back, he's like, I don't think I should go back into Ephesus, but I still want to talk to them. And it's at that point he realizes this might be the last time I'm talking to these people. So today's speech is basically Paul's farewell speech to the pastors of Ephesus. He's like, I'm never going to see you guys again. And I need to tell you something, and I don't know if you've ever been with somebody who it's like, this is the last time I'm going to see you. Uh, for me, I remember a long time ago, my grandparents are all, you know, have passed since, but I remember the last time I thought, like, this might be the last time I'm going to see my grandparents um, at the airport, you know, looked at me and said, now you take good care of your parents' cots. And I'm like, okay, this is important because it was the last thing that she told me. So... This is a pa- the, the final speech of Paul to this, this group of people, and, it's, and he wants to talk to specifically the leaders, the pastors. Now, everybody here, majority of you guys are not pastors. You're like, so can we skip this part because I'm not a pastor? Well, a lot of pastors pa- study this passage because, you know, like this is the farewell speech to pastors, but there's also something else embedded in this, which is it's a warning to the church. The church, you're going to learn a lot about what is a healthy church, What are some warning signs that we should be looking for when we realize maybe this church is kind of going off its purpose or this church is 
maybe it's corruption is starting to creep in. So this is also an important message for all of us because I don't know if one day, let's just say you go off to college or you change jobs or you have to move somewhere and you're looking for a new church, you're gonna be like, well, how do I know what a good church is? And so Paul will address that in this speech also. So just to give a quick recap of what's been going on. So I wanna show you what the long journey of Paul is. He started from here in Antioch and he traveled all the way here to Ephesus where he spent three years and then a riot broke out. So he goes all the way around here to Corinth and then he goes all the way back. And when he comes back, he doesn't stop at Ephesus here. He goes around Ephesus and goes to a place called Miletus. And while he's there, he's like, I need to call the people from Ephesus over here and have a meeting here. And that's where he has this little pastor's retreat. And he starts his speech there. And this is how that speech starts. He says, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Guys, this is my last day with you guys. And um, I have some important things I need to tell you guys before you go back to Ephesus and continue pastoring the church that we founded together. So, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to pro proclaim to you the whole will of God. I have spent my three years telling you everything you need to know to experience heaven on earth. How you could be great Jesus followers in the midst of the city called Ephesus where everybody's trying to do this power grab thing. They're trying to, you know, gain power by doing as many miracles as possible. They're trying to grab power by getting um, popularity so they could lead riots. Uh, they're trying to grab power through politics. They're trying to grab power through all these things. And he says, I taught you everything for three years on how to experience heaven on earth, you know, and I didn't hold anything back. So you have, all the, you have the keys to unlock heaven on earth where you are. If you don't do it, then it's not on me, right? If things fall apart, it's on you guys. <laughs> and then, he, so he says, keep watch over yourselves, and we'll come back to that, and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, Paul says something here that he hasn't done before. Like, when we look at all of Paul's writings, this might be the only place, maybe there's another place, I'm not sure of it, but this is rare, that he actually uses this imagery of a shepherd. He says, I've been a shepherd for you guys. And you are now gonna go back to Ephesus and continue to be shepherds for the people in Ephesus. And when you do that, he says, I want you to keep watch over yourself and all the flock. And you're gonna find out why he is so obsessed with making sure that you got the whole check yourself thing going and why it's so important that he oversees his peop the, these people as a shepherd would see over a bunch of sheep. So let's keep going. <clears throat> I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not uh, spare the flock. He says the, 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 the danger of church, okay, and there is a danger to church, is that we don't have to worry so much about the attacks that are coming from the outside. If the United States passes a law that says, oh, this hurts the church, Paul doesn't care too much about that, right? If somebody is threatening to shut down a church, he's not really concerned about that, right? Because the church will go on. But the thing that he is concerned about is if something infiltrates, something comes inside the church and starts attacking it from the inside out. He says that is something you should be careful of. These are wolves that's dressed in sheep clothing. You gotta be careful of that. What is, he, what is he talking about here? Because the people he's writing to, they know exactly what Paul's talking about because they probably experienced it while they were in Ephesus. 
So Paul elaborates a little bit here. This is what he says. He says, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Distort the truth. What truth is he talking about? Is he talking about the Bible? Well, let me just be clear right here. Um, The Bible didn't exist when Paul was walking around Ephesus at this time. So he's not talking about the Bible, okay? As a matter of fact, the majority of the people there were illiterate, so I'm pretty sure they weren't talking about the Bible. Is it the, is it, what could it be about? What is he talking about? What is this truth that he's trying to protect that could be destroyed if somebody infiltrates and a wolf in sheep clothing come in and starts destroying the truth? What is this truth that he's trying to defend? This, remember, this is the farewell speech of Paul. He's telling everybody, guys, make sure you get this one thing right. If you get this one thing right, then your church will be fine. But if this one thing is is compromised, then your church is not going to be fine. So be on your guard. And he's like building it up, right? Like, what is that one thing, Paul? Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. For the three years I was with you, I was on my knees. I was begging you. I was pleading you. I was in tears. Make sure you get this one thing right. Because if you don't get this one thing right, this one purpose of the church if, if you lose this purpose of the church, the church is no longer what it's supposed to be. What he's saying is that the church is most vulnerable when, it is, when its purpose is hijacked. Make sure that you don't allow somebody in the church as a leader that's going to hijack the purpose of the church. You need to do everything you can to protect that one thing. And probably in your mind you're thinking, well, what could it be? Right. Oh, it must be. It must be our call to evangelize, or maybe it's social justice, or maybe it's um, worship. Maybe it's worship. Oh, maybe it's do not compromise the word of God. What, what is that one thing? And yes, all the things I just listed right now are probably important. Right? If a church doesn't have um, some kind of truth attached, like if it doesn't study the Bible, then yeah, of course it's not good. But Paul, understanding all that, he said there's one thing that is an absolute non-compromise. We cannot change this one thing. What is it? This is what he says. This is very important. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. He says, now that I'm leaving you guys, before I was your pastor, you you pastors, I was the pastor of the pastors, I was watching over you, and now that I'm never gonna see you again, I'm gonna commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Grace, love. God and love. He says, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. If you have the grace, right? Well, he basically breaks it down to two things. The commitment to God and the commitment to love. If you have these things intact, he says that you will have everything you need to become the person that God has called you to be. This is the thing that you cannot compromise. Yes, I, earlier I said there's one thing, but there's actually two, but Jesus kind of did that too. You know, what is the great, greatest commandment? It's like, oh, love God, love your neighbor. That's two. No, no, it's one, right? So, okay, this is one, okay? Because some people even say that God is love. So commitment to God and commitment to love are the two things that you cannot compromise on. If a church steps away from that, then you are no longer, you know, a church, basically. So he says a loving community is vulnerable to the world. This is why Paul is talking about this with such fervor. He says, if you're a community of love, by the way, if you're a community of love, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of vulnerability. I will come to you with my struggles, with my sins, and say, guys, this is what I'm struggling with. Please forgive me. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. 
and then you're going to come to me and say, Kotz, it's okay, we forgive you. We see your dirt, and we still love you. That's, that's great. But a community like that is dangerous, or not dangerous, but it's in danger because people could come in and take advantage of you, right? Like, if I were to come out here and say, hey, guys, I'm willing to trust anybody. If anybody asks for money, I'm willing to sell my position and give you some of my stuff, right? Because I love you. What's holding somebody from the outside to come in and say, hey, look, that church is giving free stuff. Let's just pretend like we're part of their community so we just get stuff from them, right? And so Paul says, you know, the thing that's really important about a church is that every once in a while there's people who infiltrate the church and you guys are, you know, you guys are a loving community, therefore you guys are vulnerable. So the thing that's going to protect you is going to be the shepherd. The role of the pastor is to encourage you to be a loving community, to be vulnerable with one another. But at the same time, you have to make sure you're in a safe community. You're in a safe space. Who wants to confess their sins with each other if you know that you're not in a safe community, right? And so it's the role of the shepherd to make sure that you're protected, to, that we create this safe space for you guys, right? So you can be a loving community. And the shepherd is the one that makes sure that, makes sure that everything is safe, that you guys are free to be loving. But here's the problem. What if that shepherd that you, that you rely on so much is evil, right? Like if I stand here and tell you guys, hey, you know, love one another, care for one another, you know, be vulnerable with one another. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm in it for the money. I'm going to start taking money from all of you guys, right? And that's just probably the same thing that these people are thinking of, right? Like how do, how do, how do we make sure that our leaders our pastors are good shepherds. A scholar, uh, Willie James Jennings, he says this about the nature of the church and how it attracts evil people sometimes. The Jesus movement draws people who sees, see its potential as a source of unprecedented power. If you walk into a community of love, how everybody is trusting so willingly, people might come into your church saying, wait a minute, this is my opportunity to race, rise to the top and become the most powerful person in this community. He continues. And they bring enough personal charisma, theological knowledge, and social skills to exploit the gospel to its fullest possibilities. Let's go on, next slide. Paul understands that false words can easily slide under truthful speech and false shepherds, hungry like, wolf, uh, like the wolf, can easily gain power. It's a scary thing right? This is Paul's biggest concern for the church in Ephesus. He says the church is love. Church is vulnerable. Church trusts one another. And the shepherd is the one that creates that safe space for you guys. What if the church is infiltrated by somebody who is just hungry for power, for fame, for, for, for money, whatever it might be? So, the point here is this, the church can easily fall prey to power-hungry leaders, especially in Ephesus. Remember, the people in Ephesus were either people who used to be part of the empire, people who used to be slaves, people who were in poverty, impoverished, right? And they, were, they, they lived their whole lives being told what to do. And then they are now set free, but they don't know what to do because they never made a decision for themselves in their entire lives, right? So they're looking around saying, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What do I have to do to earn my meal today? And the church is like, no, you can just be yourself. You're set free. 
You are now under the, the guidance of Jesus. You're totally fine now. And then in comes this, this power-hungry character telling you what to do, and all of a sudden it seems so familiar to you again, and so you start slipping back into the ways that you were. So especially in the church of Ephesus, power-hungry leaders thrived in these holy communities. So the question again is, wait a minute, Paul, what about you? Are you one of those wolves in sheep clothing, Paul? Are you one of those power-hungry leaders? Should we not have been listening to you for the past three years? And Paul's like, wait, 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 wait. Stop accusing me because I have a track record. And he goes over that in the next verse. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You have offered me things and I have said no thank you. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. You guys know for a fact that when I showed up here, I didn't ask for anything from you guys. I didn't come to your door saying, oh, could I get a free meal from you? Although I could have. I said, I, like, as a matter of fact, you saw me. When I wasn't in the church, I was out there working really, really hard, not just to meet my own needs, but you know how it brought some friends? I was working to provide for my friends too. So I have a track record. And he even says this, and everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Like, you know my motto. I live every single day so that I could work hard, so that I could provide for, the, for those who could not provide for themselves. It's like, ask anybody in Ephesus for the last three years and they will tell you, I have not seen Paul ask for something that he could have gotten on his own. As a matter of fact, he worked extra hard to care for the people who couldn't care for themselves. This is how you know that I'm a shepherd and not a wolf, because I was here to give. As a matter of fact, I live according to the one motto that Jesus, like, that Jesus taught me, right? And this is what that is. He says this, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, for those of you Bible nerds out there, I love you, okay? You're like, hey, Cots, uh, I read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographies of Jesus, and uh, yeah, I don't think Jesus said that. I didn't see that in any of the writings of, the, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And you'd be right. This is called a graffa, which means that it is not a written quote by the biographers. It's probably a quote that Jesus said a lot, and the four writers didn't write it down, but the word was, was passed on from generation to generation until it got to, got to Paul. And so Paul is saying, that one line that I remember from Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is how you know that I am a shepherd and not a wolf. This is what a shepherd lives by. This is the motto that they live by. And this, by extension, is what the church lives by. If Paul could sum up everything he was saying here, this is what he would say. The church's value is measured by how much it gives itself away to the world. Maybe we could acquire a building. You know, maybe we could grow a church like this. Maybe we could have more of this, more of that. Let's hoard as much as we can. It's like, no, 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 Paul says, no. The well-being of a church, the purpose of a church, you could tell if the churches have drifted away or not by looking at how it uses its resources. Does it give itself away? Are the sermons that are coming from the pulpit about go and love your neighbor? Or is it about let's protect everything that we have and try to maintain power where we, ha where we have them? 
So on the flip side, the counterfeit church values, its value is measured by its hunger for power. Maybe if we do this, maybe we could control the government. Maybe if we do this, maybe we could have our say in the schools. Maybe if we do this, and yes, I'm not saying that it's bad to have Christian values in school. I think that's great. But if we are trying to control people, if we're trying to, remember, the things that the Bible teaches us to do are for Christians to do, okay? The only the people who should be doing the things that are written in the Bible are the people who sign the dot on the dotted line saying, yes, I will follow you, Jesus, okay? We have no business forcing other people to live the lives that we're living right now. But if we feel like we have to do that, that's because we want to control the world. We want to control the people in our lives, and that's not Christian. He says, you can't be hungry for power because if you are, then you have drifted from what the church is supposed to be. This is Paul's farewell speech. He's like, yes, I know that there's a lot of corruption in Ephesus. I wish that things would be better, but we have no business controlling them. We can only control ourselves. And with the control that we have over ourselves, we are gonna do everything we can to bless the communities around us with no strings attached. This is Paul's farewell message. And if the church isn't doing that, he says, be careful, that's a wolf in sheep clothing. So when Paul finished his speech, when he finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. This is your last time here, Paul? Yeah. And they're thinking of all the things that Paul's taught him for the last three years. Oh man, you're right. When you said that since the day you've arrived, You've only been giving and never receiving. I didn't notice that until you just mentioned it, Paul. Oh, you're so right. You have been a shepherd for us. You have never been a wolf. And then so they start weeping. And Paul's like, why, why, why are you weeping, guys? And this is what it says. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Of course he would feel that way because they just figured out how much Paul selflessly loved them. He, gave, he poured himself out. He gave everything that he was to them. And now he's run dry. And he's like, guys, I gotta go. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And they never saw him again after that. They were moved because they realized that Paul is a shepherd. There's a lot of titles that Paul could have claimed. He could have called himself the CEO. He could have called himself the master, the manager. He could call himself the church planner. But he says, no, 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 no. Don't even think about trying to attain those titles in the church. The title you should be achieving for, the label that you should be seeking for is shepherd, where it's always more blessed to give than to receive. So in Paul's farewell speech, he says this, beware of sly pastors who are secretly using the church to gain power, wealth, or fame. And it's not just for pastors, it's also for church. So beware of counterfeit churches that are trying to gain power, wealth, or fame. Church, the pastors here, we want the best for you guys. And if you can't be here with us at Westlight, if you have to go somewhere else, you have to find another church, we want the best church experience for you there also, where you can experience heaven together wherever you are. Amen? Amen.